Lord willing, tomorrow morning, Lynn and I will drive to BC for a couple of weeks, so we won't be around. And then the week we get back, that weekend we're going up to the Paw after that. Uh, I'm not sure if it has anything to do with it, but I understand fishing season opens that weekend. <laughs> we're going up there to visit the church, you see. and, and <clears throat> So we'll see how that all works out. But we're thrilled to be back here. Uh, tonight there's a, a tea, you know, fundraising thing. I just want to say something about fundraising. I really don't like it. Uh, quite detest it. I feel like I'm asking people for money and it's not your money, it's God's money. So some time ago, the Lord impressed upon me just to ask Him for the stuff that people have in their pockets. So the approach that we have is that we pray and we trust other people pray and do what the Holy Spirit tells them to do. And so we're in Africa and praying different things and then we get a, a note, a memo from somebody. Somebody just gave bridges beyond $2,000. Or somebody just gave 500 Don't know who, somebody. Those people didn't know that Gene had just contacted us and says, we're not going to get paid because there's no money in the account. And then somebody, the Holy Spirit speaks to somebody and says, take care of that. We were praying for a vehicle. And I often tell people, you don't need money. Pray for what you need. You don't need money. You need things. So we prayed for a vehicle to keep praying. And Lynn had received some inheritance from her mom and her dad dying. And we thought, we'll use that. And people told us, don't use inheritance money to buy a vehicle in Rwanda. We said, well, we still need a vehicle in Rwanda. So we kept praying, and Lynn and I agreed we would use our inheritance money to buy a vehicle, unless the Holy Spirit said, do not. So about four days before we left for for Rwanda, uh, somebody came to our home with his wife, and he says, we were praying for you, and the Holy Spirit came and told us to tell you something. And he says, Lynn, come here. And he looked in her eye, and he says, Lynn, the Holy Spirit told us to tell you, Lynn, do not use your father's inheritance money to buy a vehicle in Rwanda. Do not. And do not add to any money with money from your, your dad's inheritance. That, that was pretty clear, right? We said, we will unless you say not. He comes and says, do not. Okay, do not. Very good. So then uh, people gave money and we said, now we can buy a RAV4. Hallelujah, that's great. Whatever it is you want us to get, that's who will. And then we, we got notice and so now... Bridges Beyond owns a Honda Land Cruiser in Rwanda, an eight-seater vehicle with a turbo diesel engine. And air conditioning. Air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jean-Paul, now who was traveling throughout the country trying to make disciple children, was doing it on public transport, and he now is driving the vehicle when we're here. So Lynn and I needed a RAV4, but for what he does, they need more seating, and, and God provides. So if we just keep praying and obeying, then it works out okay. And so that's our approach, I think, at Calvary Chapel to finances. And, and it's our approach in life is that if we each pray and do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do, then we'll be okay. The issue I have is sometimes people don't do what the Holy Spirit tells them to do. <laughs> and that sometimes is me. So the Lord reminds me of that. Dave, that sometimes is you. And I just have that happen to remind you that sometimes that's you. 
So it's a thrill to be back here and to be with you here as family. And we are family, very much so. Uh, today we want to talk about forgiveness, count the cost. From Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 35. And I've asked my best friend to read this portion for us. So it's Matthew 18. 18. So then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my, my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! I gave you all that debt. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers that he, until he should pay all his debt. So my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for... Um, the worship time we had, the worship that we had in giving. And now, Lord, as you bring us into worshiping you through the word. And so, Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for Dave, for the work that you do in him. And even just in preparing a message, there there are things that you work out in him first. And so I thank you for that. Pray that you'll be with him as he speaks, that you will have people hear what you want them to hear. And I thank you for that, Lord. Amen. Amen. Two weeks ago on Sunday was um, the genocide, the start of genocide memorial in Rwanda. And uh, on the Sunday, that's two weeks ago, right, Charles? Three weeks? Two weeks ago. 7th of April, two weeks ago. And our service was supposed to be the morning, but it was later because of the memorial services in the morning. And so we had the afternoon service at Nohora Church in Rwanda, where I had the privilege of preaching. And I brought the message from this portion of Scripture. Um, And the message that I preached there was different than the one you will get this morning, because it's always different. 
when you're addressing a church and a nation where a million people were killed in a hundred days and you're remembering and you're talking about forgiveness I always say whatever you preach if you can't preach it in every part of the world then you shouldn't preach it it's the same message doesn't matter where you are where you come from then if you factor in a little statistic that there's about a hundred thousand people in Rwanda who are aged 26 years old 26 27 who have no clue of any family member cousin nephew uncle nothing I just want to get our heads there for a minute to give context and they'll walk around the country and look into each other's faces and wonder are, are you maybe somebody could you be a relative because they have nobody and uh, we know people who have people like that living in their homes and I says tell me about that and he says we, we tried and tried to find out but they were picked up as a baby from the situation and nobody knows any family anywhere the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer and uh, people there need to know it and people here need to know it and we need to live out of that gospel but that's not the end of the story for those people nor is it for us we all have memories and we do not deny the past but in Christ we do not allow the past to control our new life we bring our memories and the reality of it and our experiences of life we bring them to the cross and at the cross we put on the new man that is not controlled by the pain of the past but in Christ our past dies and the power of our past is broken and we're given a new future the only power that the past has on us is the power we give it the only power that the past experiences that we have had done to us us done to others the only power that it has over us is the power that we give it so before we come to the cross before we go to Jesus Christ we are defined by our identity and people tell us what our identity is and these orphans are trying to find their identity me I was my ancestors come from the Netherlands from the Friesland area and I come from an ethnic group as each of us does but most of us aren't aware of it and by definition an ethnic group has a certain way of believing a certain way of dressing and behaving and doing things and the defining factor is language if you have a common language you're an ethnic group you work with beplotty trader that you zijn dat ik zie actually ook een mennonit weet je mijn familie die komt van jaanzied jaanzied what am i saying my family comes from the other side the other side of the water from the from from the netherlands but i have an ethnic identity and when i went to school i didn't know any english i knew only plotich and 
I was ridiculed for many different things. Accent, how I smelled working on a farm and not having enough water to wash. We would bathe once a week, whether we needed to or not. So we didn't have enough water. So there's an, there's an ethnicity to me. There's a background to me. And there's people who know me as this Mennonite boy who was born in the prairies, who went to school smelling dirty. And that's how they know me. And those are the people... That's, that's my ethnicity. That's my background. Before the cross, when Lynn read this portion in Matthew, that was before the cross. You see, we read about Matthew, we read about Jesus and all these things, but we, we view it through the cross because we view it as history. Those people did not. Jesus had not yet been to the cross. Those people thought Jesus was a Jewish boy. Because he was a Jewish boy. When he was born, fully, fully human. His mom had to clean him up because he made a mess. Fully human. He had a mom and he had a dad. Well, the dad part was debatable because, believe it or not, that family had some weird story about his mom being gotten impregnated by the Holy Spirit. I mean, what kind of crazy story is that? Would you actually believe that? People, some people, ah, they couldn't believe it. Because they only saw this Jewish boy, born in Nazareth, born in, in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, this, from, from a bad part of the family. He had an ethnicity. He was Hebrew. He was from the lineage of David. Mary had an ethnicity. They could trace it. They knew who he was. He was not some... Kids this age, they would play with him in the playground and, and this is Jesus. And somebody would say, did you know he's the Messiah? And they were like, no, he's Jesus. Like, he's not that good at sport, but not bad. Whatever, he was just a kid. And scripture tells us he was just a kid. And at age 12, he goes to the temple and, and his mom and dad come and say, what are you doing? And they scolded him. And he's okay, I will submit to my mom and dad. He submitted. And, and Christ came as the Redeemer, Messiah, King, but also as the example of who we are and how we are to live. And so he submitted to his mom and dad and, and learned obedience. Because he was a kid. And when Matthew writes this story, it, Jesus has not yet... Pardon me, when this is happening, he writes it well after. But as it's happening, Jesus has not yet been to the cross. So the stuff he's saying to them, this Jewish guy is saying, the Jews are saying, who do you think you are? You're not even a man yet. Because for the Jews, you didn't become a full adult till you're 50. And now Jesus is 30, debating with the scholars. They say, who are you? are not even a man. In, in Rwanda, if you're not married, you're considered a boy. You can be 35 years old and you're not, not a man unless you're married. And so in Rwanda, I say, they called Jesus a boy because he wasn't married. And they all laugh, and he said, that's true. So was Jesus fully a man in their culture? Huh? They don't know what to do with that. But you see, we have culture, we have ethnicity, we have language. They saw Jesus walked in, he said, that's a Jew. You can see right from here, that's a Jew. Yep. We know instantly that's a Jew. In, in Rwanda, people say, you're Rwandese, you're one of us. You're Rwandese. They keep saying that. I said, why do you say that? Said, because we've given you a Rwanda name and you love it. That's Rwandese. 
My Rwanda name is Birinjiro, which means hope. I love that name. And my wife's name is Morakatete. And if you know Morakatete, if you know my wife, then you know what Morakatete means. She's a special one. She gets what she wants. Don't mess with her. <laughs> Morakatete. I say to them, that's who my wife is. They all laugh and cheer because they know what it means. And now you do too. Then I show them my ID card. They say, see that? You are Rwandese. You are Rwandese. What does it say in red letters on the top there? I don't know. Red letters on top. Oh. No, no, no. Red letters. Foreigner identity card. Thank you. Foreigner identity card. How Rwandan am I? I'm a foreigner. I don't fit. I asked the people in Rwanda, have you ever, ever, ever seen a Rwandan, true Rwandan, that you say is Rwandan, and he looks like this? Charles, have you ever? Huh. Never. Look at that. So Rwandan, born Rwandan, means automatically you have dark skin. And it's impossible to be Rwandan, born Rwandan, and have skin like mine. Ethnicity, identity, you see me and have an idea of who I am, and I come to you from that identity. And Jesus was teaching and preaching before the cross, and they saw him as this Jewish boy. And Peter's saying, how often should I forgive? Thinking, seven times? I'm pretty generous. And Jesus says, no, seven times seven or 70 times seven. And there's some debate about what that number is. I don't care what that number is because Jesus tells the parable and it tells us what the number is. And as Jesus tells the parable of somebody who owed 10,000 talents, do you know how much one talent is? One talent is the wages a regular worker can earn in 15 years. Whatever you earn per year in 15 years, Jesus says to you, that's one talent. And he says that this person owned 10,000 talents. So if we want to put a money value on the debt that we have, it's all the money you can earn in 150,000 years. And when Jesus tells the story, the guy who owes that debt, he says, have patience, I'll repay you. Why aren't you laughing? I will repay you? 150,000 years you're going to repay me? He pleads for mercy and he's forgiven. After he's forgiven, somebody comes to him and says, He hunts somebody down. He hunts this guy down because he owes him 100 denarii. How much is a denarii? A denarii is one day's wages. One day. 
And this guy owed him 100 days wages. And he pleaded for mercy. And the guy says, no. He was forgiven 150,000 years of wages. And he was owed 100 days wages. And he says, no. And they report to the master and he says, you wicked, wicked person. I forgave you all that debt. Now that all that debt's forgiven, he's certainly got the means to forgive others, wouldn't you say? 150,000 years of debt that's been forgiven, he would have the means now to forgive others. But no, he grabs and takes. And the master says, you wicked, wicked person, we'll hold you to account. Scripture tells us if we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. We need to know the cost of forgiveness. See, our problem is we don't understand the price of sin. We don't understand the cost of forgiveness. So we think we're going to negotiate and make things work out. And and Jesus says, you just don't understand. Now, Jesus is talking before the cross. Knowing at the time that he was going to go to the cross and it would cost him everything. Everything. And on the cross he says, forgive them. You know why? Because you don't have a hot clue of what you're doing. You have no idea. You're so full of yourself. Your world is so circled around yourself that you don't have a clue what's going on. If you did, if you actually realized what was happening here, you would come crawling on your stomach and say, forgive me, forgive me. But you have no clue. No clue at all. When Stephen was stoned, he says, forgive them. Others were stoned. We're in Rwanda in a chapel. Now, sometimes people say, Dave, you keep talking about football. I, I don't, I'm not about football. It's not what I'm about. I am about making disciples of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm about. That's the issue. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? So in a church preaching and outside, there's a kids playing soccer. They call it football. And I take a video of it. I go out, take a video, come back in. I ask the pastor, what about that? And he says, it's horrible. They shouldn't be playing football. They should be in the church worshiping. You see, playing football is sin. Sport is sin, is what people are believing. And I tell them, I says, you know, the Holy Spirit sent me here to give you the answer, the solution to your problem. The problem is actually not out there. The problem's in here. You need to take off your tie and your pointy shoes and go out there to where they are. God the Father kept saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Your family, your family. We didn't hear him, we didn't believe it. So what does he do? He sends his son, the representation of God the Father, who lives among us, and he says, the Father loves you. I come from the Father. If you want to know him, know me. You'll know the Father. He loves you. So Jesus was sent from heaven to earth to tell of and to show the Father's love. 
by God's grace, he has redeemed me and I'm his son. And my wife is his daughter. And God has said to us, I want you to go to Rwanda to tell people of the Father's love and to show people of the Father's love. So I told this pastor this story. I says, and the Holy Spirit has sent us here to tell you, surely you can walk across the pitch and tell those people about the Father's love. Surely you can go to your neighbor and tell them about the Father's love and show them the Father's love. Surely there's people from around the world that move into this area. Surely you can have them in your home to tell them of the Father's love and to show them the Father's love unless you don't understand the cost. It costs Jesus everything. Hanging on the cross, we have before the cross, hanging on the cross, Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken and condemned so we could be free. And then when they handed sour wine to him, he said these words, it is finished. Whatever it is that has happened to you or that you've done and you carry it, you carry it. And when you come to the cross, say, here Jesus, I give it to you. He says, he looks at you and he says, it's finished. Christ died and took this garbage with him into the grave and left it there. And he rose a new man. He says to you and me, if you will bring me your garbage, we'll put it in the grave and then when you're baptized, you'll come up a new man. Here's my garbage. Either I'm going to bring it to the cross or I'm going to spread it around. Then we have this wonderful invention. What's this called? Recycling. What's that? It's dripping. Yeah, isn't that the truth? You see, this is garbage to me, right? This is my garbage. And sometimes we go to the cross, we give Jesus our garbage, and then we go back and we recycle it. Do you know what happened to me? Do you know what that guy did? And we catch it. Oh, look at this. We tell other people, look, you see this? This is not my garbage, this is Dave's garbage. <laughs> and we recycle it. We're either going to bring him to the cross and leave him there or we're going to carry him with us. That choice is ours. The veil in the temple was torn and through. Separation was removed. 
And then he says to people in Luke 9, 23, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to be part of mine, you have to deny yourself. My right, I need to get even, I need reward, I need something. Deny yourself. Bring whatever that is to the cross. Then pick up the cross daily and follow me. Daily. So in the morning when I get up, here I am. Time to take out the garbage. What do I do? Do I walk past the cross? Oh. Or do I put it at the cross? And if I do that, I have to pick up the cross and deny myself and follow Him. How do I enter the world? I will enter the world carrying my garbage or I will enter the world carrying my cross. And people around us pretty quickly figure out what we're carrying. Jesus said, you need to forgive as I have forgiven. You pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. So Jesus lived this life, and people saw how he behaved in the things that he said, and it made no sense to them. Because they kept seeing this Jewish boy. He wasn't talking like a Jewish boy. When Jesus got baptized, I love this, he goes to the water of baptism, And he comes out of the waters of baptism and something happens. A declaration is made from heaven that says, this is my son. They were debating, who's your dad? Who's your father? (laughs) They says, we're from Abraham. And Jesus says, if you were from Abraham, you wouldn't try and kill me. You're not from Abraham, you're from Satan. They says, well, we know who our dad is, but really nobody knows who your dad is. Because you're an illegitimate son. That's what people would say. Because there's no proof. Who do you think you are? And when he behaved and acted and interacted with people, it made no sense. The Pharisees with their laws and their rules, it made no sense. He's breaking all these rules. Healing the sick, raising the dead on Sunday. I mean, don't do it on the Sabbath. You know, if you do it on Monday, then you're holy. But on, on the Sabbath, no, 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 no. So stuck in their rules, they couldn't see Jesus for who he was. They kept seeing the Jewish boy who had a language and ethnicity and an identity. That's all they saw. And Jesus, at baptism, comes out of the water and is introduced to the world from his new identity. My Father is in heaven. And he says to you and me, when you get baptized, you go into the water. And you come out of the water with a new identity. I am no longer the plotich jung from Yatzikom. No longer am I that flat German-speaking boy from the other side of the water, other side of the river. No more. I'm a son of God. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. I'm different. I don't deny the past. The Apostle Paul came and he hunted and killed. He went to the government, got lists of names, went to the homes, dragged out people, hunted and killed them. And again, in Rwanda, that means a whole lot more than it does here. But that's, he didn't deny that. Matter of fact, he reminded the people, 
Do you know who I was before I was born again? Nicodemus says, what's got to happen? Jesus says, you got to be born again. Do you know how I can become Rwandese? I have to be born again. I have to go back into my mother's womb and come out black. Now I can be Rwandan. Charles, am I right? (laughs) Hallelujah. You see, they understood born again. Do you understand? We look at culture, we look at history, we look at what we see and what we know. And Jesus keeps saying, I'm not from here. Yes, you are. We know who your mom is. We know you grew up where you went to school. Our kids played with your kids. We know who you are. He says, I'm not that person. And Paul says, I'm not entering the world anymore from my old identity. I'm not Mzungu anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I'm a son of God. The son of God. Because before Abraham was, I was. I have never been created or formed. I was, came into the world as Jesus in a point in time, but who I really am as son of God, I have never had an origin, I've always been. That's who I am, the great I am. And you, when you come to me, something happens. It's amazing, amazing what happens. And they didn't understand it, and he says, what happens is this amazing thing, that your screen goes blank when it shouldn't. But other than that, there's good things that happen. We know how to fix this. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, You were not a people, but now you are. See, we have Jew and Gentile. A people group, Jew, Gentile. For thousands of years, everybody knew. Are you Jew? No, a Gentile. Jew walks in, you can see, oh, he's a Jew. Physical features, Language, Jew, Gentile, Jew, Gentile. When Christ rose from the dead and the Holy Spirit came into us, it formed a new people group that didn't exist before. Before we had Jew and Gentile, and people looked at him and said, I don't know, who, what did I call you? You look like a Jew, we know who your parents are, but you don't act like a Jew, you don't think like a Jew. And then the Gentiles who were there, they said, well, you, we know where your parents are. You, you look like a Gentile, but you're not acting like all those other Gentiles. What's going on? The Samaritans, you're not acting like Samaritans. What, what do we call you? And in Acts, we're told, Acts 11, verse 20, 21. For the first time, the ones who did not believe in Jesus figured out what to call them. You see, Jews are Jews because they're sons of Judah. Judah, Jews. Israelites, because they're sons of Israel. Israel, Israelites. Do you get it? I'm Kaler because my dad was Kaler. You see? Have you got it figured out? And when they saw these people, they didn't know what to call them because we always want to figure out where you came from. Your family heritage, your history. They says, ah, we know you. You are Christians. You're like Christ. A new people group we had never seen before got invented when Christ rose from the grave and we're born into that family when we accept Christ as our Savior. We come out of the waters of baptism and we no longer enter the world from our identity that the world sees, but from our identity as children of God. Mm -mm -mm -mm. 
How do we behave? Well, we love our enemies. We pray for those who persecute us. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. We're kind to one another. We're tender-hearted. We forgive each other. Just as God in Christ has forgiven us. When people persecute us and hunt us, we forgive them. We forgive them. We forgive them. When people offend us, we forgive them. That's who we are. We're people who forgive. Just as Christ forgave us while we were sinners, Christ died for us and forgave our sins. Before anybody confessed or repented. So that's who we are. We're the people who, when we have been sinned against, we say, Father, forgive them. I forgive them. We don't wait for them. They didn't apologize. They didn't confess. No, 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 no. Jesus didn't wait for that. We forgive. That's who we are. If we don't forgive, we will carry it. Or we'll recycle it. I don't know which is worse. They're both bad. Sometimes when we forgive, and we forgive and we forgive, and it just seemingly doesn't take. And I learned this lesson. I, I forgave somebody for two years every day, two, three times a day. I kept forgiving him because he'd really done a dirty to me. I could tell you the whole story, but I, of course, won't because I'm free. And the Holy Spirit showed me. He says, Dave, here's a problem. Two years ago when you forgave him, the forgiveness was a done deal. You need to bless him. The problem is every time you retell the story, you're bringing curses. You're telling curses. You need to stop that. So the next time this person's picture came into my face, which was every day, I says, Lord, you know I have forgiven. And to the seen and unseen world, I declare I have forgiven this. I brought it to the cross. I am free. Now I will pray blessings. I pray blessings on him, on his wife, on his son, on his daughter, on his daughter, on his business. Blessing, blessing, blessing. Later in the day, picture comes to my mind again. Wait a minute, I've dealt with that. It's time to bless. And I bless again. And I bless and I bless. Didn't take long and the enemy figures out that bringing his name to mind will invoke blessing. And he does not like blessing. So he stops bringing his name to mind. See that and I become free. Absolutely, completely free. Because Jesus says, I am the blessing God. I am the loving God. And if you are my son... You are the blessing and loving and forgiving person. That's who you are. Oh, don't forget, they're going to do wrong. They're going to abuse you. You're not going to be treated the way you should. But remember who you are. Are you going to enter the world from your identity of the one who's carrying the baggage in the garbage? Or are you coming into the world as your identity as a son of God? Because when people look at you and me, they make a value judgment of Jesus Christ. And people won't come to Jesus or to God because of how you and I look. People don't want to come to church because you know what those people are like in that church? It's a blessing to have the Holy Spirit and to represent Jesus Christ on this earth. Children emulate the Father. We have a Father. We can carry it with us or give it to the cross. Father... I thank you for your love and mercy and your grace. Holy Spirit, whatever it is that is for each of us this morning, may it stick.
And what's for me yours, riffraff, just let it go. Amen. One last. I tell those orphans in Rwanda, so you know something? You need to ask your Uncle Paul, your Uncle Paul, what he says. You need to ask Uncle John and Uncle Timothy, hey, what do you got to say? Holy Spirit, tell me, this is my family. You need to ask Grandpa Abraham, what was it like? He's your grandpa. This is our family. We're children of God. Thank you.